Well, it's been a massive pleasure to have Kevin with us this weekend. <laughs> We've had a lot of fun. We've seen people healed on the streets, people get saved on the streets, people get healed in the meeting. Uh, amazing worship, fantastic teaching. Uh, I, I love Kevin. He's like this theological revivalist. What a great combination. So we love you, Kevin. We've enjoyed you immensely. Let's welcome him and honor him again. so great to be here. I just sense the presence of God in you. <laughs> A lot of people say, you know, I sense the presence of God in this place, but you're the place. Yes, Wherever you go, you bring the presence. Like when you leave this building, the presence is still in you and with you and through you. I love that vision of the glory of God surrounding the earth. A lot of people think of the glory of God as a cloud that's going to come over the earth and everybody's going to look up in the sky and say, wow, there's the glory of God. And while that is a picture of how God describes his glory coming, I can tell you that in Habakkuk, the Lord promises that the answers to the problems of the world is that the knowledge of the glory of the Lord would cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. That's another picture of the glory of God coming. And then there's the glory cloud, Shekinah glory, you know, the cloud that filled the temple. But these are all uh, like metaphors, if you will, of the glory of God. The glory of God is not in the smoke, it's not in the cloud, it's not in the fog, although it is the favor of God. I try to live in the fog. You all do that really well here. The favor of God is always with us. The, the glory of God is the revelation of the presence and power of God. Like when I listen to your worship team, it's expressing the glory of God because of the excellence of the musicianship and the harmonies and the, the, the spirit in which it's being done in excellence and passion. And it makes you, makes you just connected to the presence and the power of God. And so the glory of God is revealed in what we do. When the glory of God that's coming is not coming in a cloud. It's not coming in water. It's coming in you. And I, Christ in you, the hope of glory. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only. Jesus was a representation of the glory of God on the earth. When he released the presence and power of God, the glory of God was demonstrated. When you declare a prophetic word over someone, when you, when you prophesy over someone, when you release somebody from depression, when you give them an encouraging word that releases them into their supernatural destiny, when you heal their body, 
That is the glory of God coming on the earth. You carry the glory of God, and the glory of God is released through you when you take risk and step across the chicken line to release God's presence and power on someone. That's what it means to preach the good news of the kingdom of God. Preaching the kingdom of God is not just a matter of saying some nice platitudes or having a wonderful philosophy, an ideal view of what it might be like when we go to heaven, but rather a demonstration of the goodness and kindness of God expressed in signs and wonders and miracles that prove to people that God is truly present because of the excellence that's released in wholeness and health and and setting people free. And when that's released, it's like people get happy. People get excited. And they want to cheer. They want to, they want to clap. They want to dance. Because the glory of God is revealed. God has designated this people, you, to be carriers of His presence to reveal His glory. Which is His goodness and kindness. And it's His kindness that leads to repentance. <laughs> his glory is here because His goodness is here. Can you sense that this morning? Oh. I want to have Rebecca come up here and uh, just share with you just really quick. Uh, I just really sensed that uh, she was supposed to share this morning briefly about her passion and her vision for Scotland, her being a Scot and being at Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry for the last two years. Uh, it's wonderful that she was able to be on our team this weekend. And, and I just wanted her to share just briefly just the heart that she has for what she wants to see released in and through you. Yeah, come on. Oh, so good to be here with you all. Honestly, it's such an amazing church. I love it. But yeah, it's, um, I think God showed me a picture of Scotland and it was just um, on fire on fire, like not one bit that wasn't covered by his fire, his presence, you know? And I remember um, being so hungry before I went to Bethel just for more of God and hungry for just for more of him. And I remember an encounter that I had over there in Bethel at school. And basically, I just felt like I was consumed by his fire. And I remember um, it was actually Joaquin Evans. He's a, um, a speaker at Bethel. He, My he, former intern. If, yep, Kevin's intern, you know. <laughs> um, basically, he said to me, your fire is not just for you. Your fire is for a nation. You're hungry not just for you. You're hungry for a nation. And I felt God just reminded me of that this morning. <laughs> and really, actually, you're the fire that's going to consume the nation. That actually, your fire is not just for you. Your fire is for the nation. And I realized... God is raising up this army that actually know who they are, that know the fire within them, so they can actually not withhold that fire from the world and catch the fire. And then Scotland can be consumed. It's totally possible. It's not like this out of, out of this world idea because, you know, when God, show, when God has said the fire is going to consume the nation, like, to me, I'm like, oh, okay, it's going to happen. And, and it, it's, you're the testimony, you know, of that fire. And I just felt like one more thing I had to say was um, 
Um, what was that thing? I don't know. <laughs> oh, I think that was good. Yeah, that good. Yeah, <laughs> yes, but yeah. So I just, um, I just, th- I just thank God that you're, you have the fire within you now, <laughs> and that He is going to release that fire through you, and the fire of Scotland is going to consume the whole nation. Amen. <laughs> so with that, turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter two. That was amazing, Rebecca. And Rebecca has been equipped, empowered, and activated to help you in changing this nation. Our goal is the good news of great joy. Our goal is to re-present, represent, re-present Jesus and who he truly is. All weekend long we've been talking about the good news of great joy and how Jesus brought the good news of great joy wherever he went in releasing signs and wonders and miracles and prophetic insights that call people into their supernatural destiny, that encourage them, that comfort them, that make them whole, that set them free. And so this is our goal, is to look like Jesus wherever we go. That whenever we touch somebody, they start looking like Jesus. Because the glory of the Lord is released on them. And so our job is to represent God and who he truly is and how he truly exists. Most Too many people think that God is a bad God in a bad mood who does bad things. And so the church to them is a bad news gospel. It's time to flip the truth. It's time to reveal the truth of who he truly is and his glory. That he's a good God in a good mood who does good things. And that's the good news. And I'm telling you, this is what people are waiting for. We sent out people out into the community yesterday. And we went on a treasure hunt in which we asked the Holy Spirit to give us clues, downloads, words of knowledge to find treasures in Glasgow. People who, weren't, who needed encouragement. People who needed uh, comfort. People who needed healing. People who needed wholeness, hope. And so we went out and... and Every, we sent out, what, about 30 teams, and, and in one hour and 15 minutes, we had probably about 90 to 100 divine encounters in which people actually encountered the glory of God, the good news of great joy. That's, oh, that's, that's an encounter a minute, a little more than a, an encounter a minute. Every 60 seconds, approximately. Somebody in Glasgow yesterday for an hour and 15 minutes, every 60 seconds, somebody had an encounter. In Acts chapter 2, verse 41, those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. On the very first day of church, there were 3,000 people added to the church. That is a supernatural harvest. And for just a little while, for about 30 minutes, I want to talk to you about what I sense for Scotland. And so what I'm giving you right now is not necessarily a, a preach, but a prophetic declaration of what I'm seeing for Scotland. I, I really believe that it's time for Scotland as a nation to, to, to come into a supernatural harvest. It's time for those who have been asleep to be awakened. Those who have been hopeless to have hope. Those who have been depressed to come into the joy of the Lord. To encounter the good news of great joy. 
I would encourage the few of these that we have left that you get this, put it on your bathroom mirror so that as you're brushing your teeth, you're like, this is our goal. This is our goal, to look like Him. And I believe that a supernatural harvest is coming as we learn how to cultivate His presence and how we, then how we actually grow in His presence and then learn to release His presence in a practical way to the people around us. God is he's not preparing you for a supernatural harvest right now. He's actually releasing a supernatural harvest right now. It's time. This is the time. This is the day of salvation. Many of you in this room, you have people in your family, you have friends who don't know the Lord yet. It's time for them to know the Lord. This is the season. In fact, I prophesy that you're not going to be in this place much longer because it's going to be way, way, it already is way too small. And I really sense that, that God is preparing you right now. He's already got a place prepared that, that you're going into a new place. But you're not just going into a physically new place. You're going into a spiritually new place, a place of harvest. That individually, you're coming into a harvest, a supernatural harvest in your life. You've been sowing. You've been watering in areas of your life for breakthrough. Like, like some of you have been wanting to get breakthrough and taking risk to step across the chicken line. This is your time right now. It's time to step over the chicken line and to start to release and express who you are in Christ because the world around you in Glasgow is waiting for your unique creative expression that God wants to use to demonstrate His glory, which is His goodness and kindness revealed in the presence and power that you have inside of you, Christ in you, the hope of glory. (laughs) It's time for supernatural harvest. It's time for your family members to come to know the Lord. It's time for your, your schoolmates to come to know the Lord, your workmates to come and know the Lord. It, there's, there's, it, it's, it's already been prepared. You've already been sowing. You've already been watering. And now it's the time for the harvest. So how did this supernatural harvest come about? 3,000 people came to know the Lord. Well, you have to turn back to... Chapter 2, verse 1, to find the answer. When the day of Pentecost came, in Acts chapter 2, verse 1, they were all together in one place, and suddenly a sound like the blowing violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. This was the day of Pentecost, and I believe that we're pretty close to the day of Pentecost. When's Pentecost Sunday? What? What? No way. Oh my gosh. Are you serious? All right. Listen. I'm telling you from the Lord, His mouth to my ears, to your ears, that this is the word of the Lord for you today. I knew it was close, but I didn't know it was here. Listen, your supernatural harvest is not close. It is here. It's today. And what I'm about to tell you today, you could take this to the bank. 
You, you, this, is, this is the Lord. I mean, I have 100% confidence that if you do these three things that I'm going to talk to you about this morning, you will have a supernatural harvest in your life. Now, the day of Pentecost, a lot of people don't understand that the day of Pentecost is actually also known as the Feast of Weeks. And it's also known as the First Fruit Feast. It's the day where you bring in the first of the spring harvest and offer it up to God in thanksgiving as a thanks offering with the expectation that there is much more to come. When the Holy Spirit came down on the day of Pentecost, that was not to be the pinnacle of Christian experience, but rather the beginning of the more that God wanted to do in history. Now, unfortunately, most of us learn that the best day of our Christian experience was the day of Pentecost. And everybody's trying to get back to the New Testament church. But I want to propose to you that the New Testament church was looking forward to today in which we would take their ceiling and make it our floor and go to the next levels. You see, like, like that's the importance of a resource like this in which I chronicled the modern day healing movement. Many people forgot what God began to do on the day of Pentecost in releasing signs and wonders and miracles to demonstrate the glory of God, to express His goodness and kindness, to bring in the, the last harvest, the great harvest of which we're a part of right now. God has always intended for each generation to take the previous generation's ceiling and make it their floor. This chart actually shows how each generation of healing generals in all of their accomplishments down here, took the previous generation ceiling and made it their floor for further breakthrough, for continued breakthrough. This, this is, by the way, I think just an amazing resource for those of you who want to tap in to your inheritance in healing revival, in healing demonstration, in healing power, because when we honor history, when we honor the breakthrough of previous generals, we get their inheritance and then we can take it to the next level. Every generation has gone to the next level. It's time for somebody to take what's here and go to the next level. But you can't take it to the next level until you know what's here. So God has given us the scriptures not to be the end, not to be the final revelation in terms of the final um, expression of what he wants to do. No, it's a springboard for the more that he wants to do. Like, a lot of people think of salvation as the day they got saved was the best day of my life. Like, I love that song, Oh, Happy Day When You Wash My Sins Away. I love that song, but I hate that song. And the reason why is because it implies that the happiest day of my life was when I got saved. And every day since has been a bummer. Come on, that's the way most Christians live. I'm happy when my soul got saved, and now my soul is waiting to go to a place called heaven so that I can now be glad when I get to heaven. But until then, I'm going to suffer. I'm going to just hang in there. No, we are more than conquerors. We are overcomers. In fact, I I love how you express worship in the tribal beat. Because if William Wallace was here in Glasgow... In this time, I believe he would have gym bays in leading worship. In fact, I, I, I don't 
I'm not prophesying. This is just maybe a desire of mine. I am a drummer, and I would just encourage you, never have a drum kit. Just always have the djembe. <laughs> because it's, it's like a warfare. It's, it's so... Um, Well, I just think there are going to probably be gym bays in heaven. I can't wait. God wants to do more today than when we first got saved. He wants to have his presence in us in greater measure today than when we first got saved. Listen, for married people, like the problem a lot of married people have is that they see their wedding as the pinnacle of the relationship. No, that's to be the beginning. I've been married 36 years. And I can tell you I love my wife more now than when I first got married. And that was the best day of my life to that point. And it's been the best day ever since. Doesn't mean that I haven't had rough patches. But I can tell you that the goal in our marriage is to make it better. Not like going downhill from... It's the first fruits. So with that in mind, on the day of Pentecost, the first thing that the Holy Spirit came as, a metaphor, when the Holy Spirit fell on the church, there was a mighty, the sound of a mighty rushing wind that came into the room. Well, it's a mighty rain. In the New Testament, Greek, the word for wind that's used here is pneuma, which is the same word that we use for the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God is the pneuma of God. It also means the breath of God, which is the counterpart to the Hebrew word ruach. When God created man, man was not a living being until God breathed life in him. He ruached on him. He pneumed on him. The church is not supposed to just be an organization, a religious organization. The church is supposed to be a living organism. But the church is not alive until the Holy Spirit breathes on the church. On the first day of church, as they were meeting, there was no life in them. And then the Spirit of God breathed on them and they came into being a living organism. God wants to release increasing wind into our lives. He wants to release increasing life into us. He wants to breathe into us every day newness of life, refreshing wind. I had a a vision of several years ago now, Carol or not. I don't know if you're familiar with the Toronto blessing. But uh, Carol or not prayed over me one night, and immediately I fell on the ground, and I had this vision that I was in a convertible car, and I was out in the countryside and going through the, the rolling hills. It could have been Scotland. And everything was green and harvesting, and, and, and I'm in this, actually in a 1967 Chevelle Malibu convertible, white with black interior, and I'm standing, I'm standing in, now I don't know if you guys know of that car here, but it's like the classic cruising sports car. And, 
And uh, so I'm standing in the, the passenger side seat, actually on the left side. <laughs> I'm standing in the passenger side seat. I'm leaning up against the windshield. And I think you call it windscreen. But uh, I'm like Leonardo DiCaprio in the movie Titanic. And the wind's blowing through my hair. And I'm like, Woohoo! yes, just enjoying the wind. And I look down and there's Jesus driving. And I don't know if you have the song over here, Jesus, take the wheel, Carrie Underwood. Well, I know she stole my song because I had this vision before she came out with the song. But anyway, I'm looking at, I'm looking at Jesus and he's looking at me like, and he's smiling, he's laughing with me. And he says, Kevin, this car represents your ministry. The convertible represents the open heaven that you're ministering in. And the green rolling hills is the fruitfulness that I'm going to bring out of your ministry that you're driving through. The road is your destiny. And as long as you enjoy the ride and just breathe in my breath of my presence and enjoy my presence, you will get to the end of your destiny and fulfill what I've given you to do. And then immediately I was transformed into another vision and I was standing in front of a lion like I knew it wasn't a ferocious lion as I was standing in front of this lion. It was like the, the lion uh, in uh, the Aslan of the Chronicles of Narnia. And I knew immediately it was the lion of the tribe of Judah. It was Jesus standing before me. And then he opened his mouth and a wind came out of his mouth. And I'm standing there and just as I was in the car in this open heaven, experiencing the wind as I was driving, the wind out of the lion's mouth, out of Jesus' mouth, came over me, and my hair is flying back, and I'm like, yes! And then the scene magnified and, and slowed down to the point that I could actually see particles in his breath. Do you know that when you breathe on people, whatever's inside of you, comes out through your breath in these particles. That's why you're not supposed to cough on people. Because whatever, you, whatever you're carrying inside of you comes out through your breath. The breath of life. The pneuma, the ruach of God carries the very DNA of His presence. And when He breathes on us, the particles of His presence are tangible. And then it magnified even further so that I could see that each particle was the very name of God. That he was literally breathing his name on me. In his breath was his name, his DNA. And so joy would come at me and I'd open my mouth and my whole being would be filled with joy. Peace, love, healing, wholeness, wisdom. Whatever I needed was found in his breath. And as he breathed on me, it would come into my being and I'd be flooded with his presence. And I would receive exactly what I needed. And then I turned around, and there was a sea of people behind me. And just as I, as I had inhaled his breath, I exhaled, and joy went to that person. Peace went to that person. Healing went to that person. Wisdom, encouragement, wholeness. Anything that they needed was found in the breath that I had inhaled from his presence. This is a picture of revival. This is a picture of releasing the presence of God in releasing life that brings in a supernatural harvest. When we prophesy, 
The scripture says, my word that comes forth from my mouth, my breath, my ruach, my pneuma will not return empty, but it will accomplish that which it set out to do. When we release prophetic declarations over people's lives to them personally, even in the atmosphere, his word that comes forth from our mouth will not return empty, but it will accomplish that which it was set out to do. Our prophetic declarations make a difference in people's lives. You could change somebody's life by prophesying over them, by just telling them the good news of great joy in how God sees them and thinks about them and the good plans and the good purposes that he has for their lives. In e- oh, Lord. In Ezekiel 37, uh, we have a prophetic messianic promise in Ezekiel 37 that describes this dynamic of how the breath of God through the prophetic releases the life of God and, and, and brings about this harvest that I'm talking about. In verse 1 of chapter 37 of Ezekiel, it says, The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out. Can everyone say out? God wants to kick the church out of the church on the day of Pentecost. In verse 5, we don't have any explanation, but in verses 1 through 4, they receive the Holy Spirit, and then they're kicked out of the church. And now they're out in the community, and 3,000 people get saved. He brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley in Scotland. Oh, yeah. It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. He asked me, Son of man, can these bones live? I believe this is religion. I said, Oh, sovereign Lord, you alone know. In other words, can, can the people of Scotland, can the religious live again? Yes, they need the breath of God. We need the breath of God to breathe over all of Scotland, to renew what God has, has promised for this nation, for this land. Then he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath into you. I will cause ruach to come in you, pneuma to come into you, and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you, and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied. As I was commanded and as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together bone to bone. And I looked, and tendons and flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. There was no presence in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe into these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath entered them, ruach entered them, pneuma entered them. And they came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. And so I just want to release an impartation of the breath of God this morning, the Ruach of God, the Pneuma of God, that will come and breathe afresh on you this morning. That you will go from where you're at and make this your floor to tomorrow being this, uh, the floor of yesterday's ceiling. That you will go to the next levels of encountering God's presence. 
to be able to release more of God's presence in and through your life. So right now, I just release an impartation of his rest. Take it. Take it. Increasing wind this morning in your life to be able to prophesy the goodness of God into people's lives now. To heal the sick with a word. In Jesus' name. No passion that they carried that was released out to the crowd. There was not judgment. There was not shame. It was like, look at what we have. We have passion. You want some of this? Yes. What must we do to be saved? What must we do to get the passion that you have in your life? Come on. How many of you who own businesses or you work with other people, you would rather work with somebody who has passion rather than somebody who's working just for a paycheck? Come on, people who work for a paycheck only do what's required. People who work out of passion don't go way beyond. They're motivated by what fuels their passion, not by a paycheck. When we work for performance to please God, we're working for a paycheck. God does not want religious networks and people. He wants to fan a flame in us, a flame of passion in us, that rises up in us and says, what can I do? What I have to do.
piece of first fruits. And they got drunk. <laughs> no, not like the people in pubs who are being drunk on alcohol. The Bible says in Ephesians 5 18, don't be drunk like that. Rather, be drunk with the Spirit. <laughs> because the fact of the matter is, you never win in your life, you never fight in your life. But until you get drunk, you probably won't take the risk to go outside the church. And 
Thank you. 